Welcome to Mercola Healthy Pets Integrative Veterinary Medicine Awareness Week. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and as a part of our 10-year anniversary celebration, I'll be interviewing some pretty amazing colleagues who practice integrative and functional medicine. Starting this week, you can also nominate your vet or a local rescue or an inspiring individual in your community to be the recipient of our new Healthy Pets Game Changer Award. I hope that you'll tune in every day this week to be inspired and educated by passionate healers from around the world. And don't forget to nominate that special someone that you know that has gone above and beyond to help animals. Again, thank you so much for your support. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker and joining me for celebrating Integrative Veterinary Medicine Awareness Week from New Zealand is Dr. Lisa Schneider. Thank you, Dr. Schneider, for joining me. It's a pleasure, thank you for having me. So exciting. So tell our viewers and listeners, many of our listeners and viewers, I think are familiar with the great work that you are doing. But for those of you that don't, for our listeners or readers who maybe don't know about you, talk to us a little bit about when you graduated from vet school and you had some unbelievable skill sets for maybe urgent care medicine and infectious diseases that didn't equip you for everything you're doing now. So there clearly was some additional evolution and education that happened after vet school. So tell us how that happened. Absolutely. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later how I grew up in Africa and um, growing up in South Africa, we've got a, a little bit of a motto it, that translates in Afrikaans, when there's a will, there's a way. So um, in my veterinary career, I love emergency medicine and I love helping animals and humans, but there are those areas in our conventional medicine paradigm where we're just managing symptoms and the medications that we use to manage symptoms have side effects so we need more medication to manage those side effects and on and on and on we go and the frustration that was growing to do my best to help these animals and help them to get healthy and stay healthy rather than relying on medication my drive was there so where there's a will there's a way so um, when I was younger, I understood how nutrition plays a massive role in health and well-being. And I started to learn and apply various tools to improving our patient's nutritional status using nutraceuticals, herbs and homeopathics, a little bit of acupuncture, things like hyperbaric oxygen therapy, um, then things like kinesiology. And I'm a bit of a practical soul. So my aim was to find those tools that I could learn easily and quickly and apply efficiently that gave great results and um, those results are awesome and I'm so grateful to have those options for my patients. And so Lisa did you uh, experience many of those things it sound it sounds like you have a little bit of a history like I did I grew up in Iowa with very common sense but very proactive parents so using food as medicine just kind of came naturally to me out of my upbringing but in your situation were you exposed to some of these awesome modalities like hyperbaric uh, before veterinary school did you just grow up in an environment where some of these things were second nature to the people around you yeah, so growing up, um, I was so lucky in South Africa because I had so many pets. I had um, the usual dogs and cats, but we also had a monkey and snakes and a chameleon and um, tadpoles and frogs and being involved with wildlife rehabilitation because my dad was a very proactive conservationist. I was exposed to many wild animals and rehabilitation, majestic eagles, uh, lion cubs, a baby hippopotamus and rhinoceros. And as a child, um, I was also very active on the sports field and when I got injured, I become very frustrated when the doctor told me you have to rest for four weeks. That really didn't go down well. So my parents were, um, they had the foresight to take me to an osteopath or a chiropractor and they had me back on the sport field really quickly. And further to that, my younger brother, 
he was quite sickly with asthma and conventional medicine wasn't helping him. And I'm a bit embarrassed to say that I, I used to beat him up a bit, but my parents also had the foresight to help him in an unconventional way and take him to a homeopath that turned his life around. And these days he's a bodyguard with a few black belts. He's a really good guy to know. Yeah. <laughs> in my youth, it was really um, obvious to me that there are way more ways to meet our needs for health and well-being than just what our conventional parents that's beautiful so when you graduated from veterinary school Lisa did you uh, did you automatically start or did you just continue on with the next course that was burning in your soul to learn or did you acquire your additional skill sets as needed as you know you had cases of back dogs and you so then you went and became certified in acupuncture or how did your additional training come about I had some of those tools that I dabbled in, like um, nutrition and um, homeopathy, certainly not to the extent that we have now as um, sort of being trained and having a full understanding. But I was just so excited to be a vet, to be graduated as a vet and being able to do what I loved and to get paid for doing what I loved and to get paid for working a whole lot less hard than I was being a vet student was awesome. So I was um, in that sort of zone of just thorough enjoyment and gradually bit by bit the more cases that I saw that bubble started to burst and I realized that the tools that I'd been taught are so wonderful in so many situations but they certainly don't do the job for the bigger picture and then my learning really began. And and would you say that as you've added more and more modalities to your tool belt. Of course, your, when I say your circle of influence, those animals and the families that they live in, you've been able to touch in a much deeper and a more profound way because your skill set, of course, is, is bigger. That, then I would assume that that has led to more referrals and a larger practice. And, and so now, um, walk me through kind of a, the typical cases that you might see in a typical day and the types of tools that you might institute to help them. Yeah, it's so lovely, this way of practice, because as a vet, it just gives us such peace of mind that we're working with our client to do everything that we can for their animal. And there's just so many options to use. So we've got the best of both worlds, all of what conventional medicine has to offer, as well as complementary therapy. So um, our average day, we're a veterinary practice that does mainstream stuff. So we have animals from around the neighborhood that come to us with their usual, um, I've cut my paw kind of thing, or I've got pancreatitis. And in those cases, uh, it's really exciting because with pancreatitis, for example, just to go in the hyperbaric oxygen chamber and that usually helps to reduce inflammation to such a degree that they don't have to be chronic cases or stay inside the hospital and throw up all the time that we manage with drugs and more drugs. So just that day-to-day -day practice is, is it's just one example of the thrill that we get. And then, of course, we do do a lot of second and third and fourth opinion cases where animals have been to a vet or two, they've been to a specialist. Um, They've got some stubborn health issue and either the medication isn't working sufficiently to promote their quality of life uh, to the standard that it should be or there's side effects to the medications or the owners can't afford those treatments that have been proposed, for example, big surgeries or um, medications that are costing a lot of money. Um, a, a really common one that we get is uh, chronic skin disease, allergies, um, arthritis is another. So animals that come through our door with arthritis or musculoskeletal conditions, sometimes they're really sore and really lame. And sometimes these guys have been to vets where they've had a lot of diagnostics and they're really sore and they're used to being poked and 
prodded and initially they view the vet with a bit of suspicion and they don't take my doggy treats and my bribery doesn't work. And as I talk to the owner and establish their needs of what they're trying to achieve to help their animal, slowly, slowly look like little fifi will edge their way towards me, finally take my doggy treat and then I get a pat and then we can introduce some kind of therapy like uh, NIS or kinesiology that I use. Um, and slowly, slowly that animal um, earns, I've earned my trust. And that's just the biggest compliment is for them to be happy. And then as time goes by, we'll integrate therapies. Sometimes conventional medications are awesome. They give you an acute and quick impact to just make this animal more comfortable. And then we want to look at how can we support this animal to reduce the need for medication. So always looking at what is this animal eating, what nutrients is it getting, what nutraceuticals can we provide, adding in those therapies like herbs and homeopathy, um, your hands-on treatments like acupuncture, kinesiology, the hyperbaric chamber again is fantastic. And then figuring out, okay, of all these options that we've presented, what's going to work best for this animal? Does he just hate being handled and he'd be happy with the hands off approach or, hey, he'd actually like all this pampering with the extra TLC that he gets and what's the owner comfortable with? And also, what can the owner afford? Not that it's all about money, but we've got to make it practical. And can this owner manage to get their animal back and forth for regular treatments or does this just need to be as far as possible in-home or distant care to promote the quality of life of this animal and their, their owner or their human? What? So good. Yeah, one other aspect that's just really thrilling is what you alluded to as well, is that a lot of people will bring their pets to us or even their larger animals to us in desperation because they, they're not getting results from our conventional approach and they're frustrated and they feel sad because they want to do everything that they can and they don't know what complementary therapies are, but they've heard that we help animals and what can we do? And the way that we take them through that process of helping them to understand about health and supporting health and well-being and how you see that switch flick on and they get it, that you can support health and well-being. And a few weeks later, you see them again and the animal's doing great and they've thought about this and they go, oh, well, maybe this can help my health as well. Who can you recommend that can help me? And we get that flow and effect. Yeah. You know, you really are instituting um, holism with the W. You're, you're not treating the whole family, but by, foc by focusing your expertise on animals, which is where your training is, you are effectively helping the whole family to gain knowledge and in turn make better decisions. So you are improving the health of, of the whole family. And you're doing that through what I call customized medicine, which is really formulating a protocol based on the specific needs of that animal. And you're doing so with this fantastic common sense approach. But here's my question. You mentioned how clients are sometimes maybe not confused, but just uneducated about what integrative medicine is. And by usually out of desperation, they come to you, you educate them. They go through one or two treatments. They can see the positive effects. They then become hopeful and a little inspired. And then this upward change of evolution occurs, which is exactly how the system should work. Sometimes the conventional veterinarian that we also partner with, that's a part of the healthcare team that is there for those acute traumatic incidences like hit by cars or infectious diseases where, you know, there's an outbreak of whatever parvo and we're so thankful for the, for that skill set, but they, they were not necessarily taught or continued their education after veterinary school like you did. So the, 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 point that comes to mind for me was after I learned in 2016 how beneficial hyperbaric oxygen was for cancer therapy. I had never known that, Lisa. I, I had always viewed it as, you know, wound healing, gangrene, chronic infection for sure. 
Um, autoimmune diseases, yes, but I guess I never thought about using hyperbaric for cancer. And when I was able to interview the good folks at Keto Pet who said all of our cancer patients are getting hyperbaric, I'm like, this is fantastic. So then I started telling my Chicago patients, hey, let's try and line up some hyperbaric. And there are four chambers in Chicago. And those four doctors said, no, no, cancer is not an approved disease that we would use hyperbaric for. And it became a real struggle to try and educate my fellow colleagues to, I don't want to say think outside the box, but you're sitting on this magnificent expensive machine that does so much besides treat mammals with for bends, you know, or for diving accidents. There's a lot more, more that we can do. How do you help our conventional colleagues see the magnificence of all of the modalities that you've added to your practice? Are you just doing it by when I say trial by fire, when you have a case that you couldn't fix, that a blessed integrative colleague fixes, that's life-changing for everyone. And sometimes that leads to veterinarians calling you and saying, hey, you, you did this, this, and this, and I'm, I'm not familiar with that. Could you teach me or could you help me understand? Is it primarily word of mouth education or, or how does that relationship work with other veterinarians that don't necessarily understand everything that you're doing? Yeah, it's a slow and um, one step at a time educational regime. I've found over the years that to try and educate my vet colleagues is so much more difficult than to drive change through public demand, to look after patients, help people, and that's how the word really spreads. And they demand of their vets that they think outside the square and work with an integrative vet or ask them how they can integrate complementary therapies into their veterinary care. Thankfully, over the years, things are changing and um, there are vets who will approach me and ask for different input and how we can potentially come up with a plan to sometimes help their own animals, which is really rewarding when you can turn those around. But um, it is a very, very slow change in paradigm and I find our conventional model where things are so boxed up into what they think should be black and white and the real world is there's just so many shades of grey. It doesn't work like that. and to um, argue that things don't work until they have massive trials to show that they do work is also very, very short-sighted. You can't say that something definitively doesn't help to make a difference. And in my mind, when so many of, things, of these things are otherwise harmless and could potentially help, why would you not do everything in your power to help your patient? Yeah. And with something like hyperbaric medicine, for example, sure, the trials are there to show that it will help for necrosis and gangrene and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't help for other things. And when you use common sense, which I find, unfortunately, is not so common in our conventional model, common sense dictates that cells in the body require oxygen to function optimally. And when you provide that oxygen at optimal amounts, incredible things can happen. So any type of underlying inflammatory condition or infectious process, if there are no contraindications to be using something like the hyperbaric chamber, why would you not? Yeah. And I do believe our conventional colleagues are worried about our professionalism and the responsible use of complementary therapies yes. because they don't want these therapies to be used willy-nilly and to claim that these therapies are going to fix everything and then animals aren't looked after to the best of our ability, ensuring that their welfare needs are met. So it's a very, very fine balance and it's um, very much specific to the individual who's approaching me as a vet where they're coming from and to try and get them to pretty much open their minds and consider another way forward with a different paradigm. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, and that's, that's the inspiring part of this. And it's interesting, out of the dozen veterinarians I've interviewed so far, the recurring theme that is clear is that the integrative veterinarians that I've talked to all have this underlying unquenchable desire to do whatever it takes to provide some relief, maybe not cure, but provide relief. And that I think sometimes our, our, our colleagues that were, you know, we were all trained so well in school to stay inside the box, like stay in your lane and don't step outside the box. Well, some of us think, well, what happens if we, what happens if we just step outside the box? Um, and I think sometimes we're so well trained to, to just keep the blinders on that we almost think it's blasphemy. We almost become nervous uh, about our colleagues that are doing things unconventionally when really, when you think about it, if it's non-toxic and responsibly used and has the potential to save or extend lifespan or health span, why would we not? And so I think all of us as veterinarians, we all got into this profession to try and help animals. Some of us are pursuing every possible means of helping animals, including some things that we haven't learned in veterinary school. And so that's, to me, that has been the biggest difference is veterinarians that are willing to try other things that we didn't learn in veterinary school versus those saying, mm, I need to wait till there's a little bit more research data, till there's a little bit more training involved before I would try this. So Lisa, when you think about, first of all, when you think about all that's in your toolbox, do you have a few, do you have a few tools that you use over and over more so than others like it sounds to me like maybe hyperbaric is a big one in your practice yeah hyperbaric is a big one but certainly nutrition that's the absolute foundation every yeah. animal we address nutrition and in my hands and for my personal health i find mm. nutraceuticals to be just incredible and of course also certain herb extracts for example your proanthocyanidins or grapeseed extract that are nutraceuticals come herbs and oh, it's like, it's so elegant. It's poetry in motion. And one of my favorite sayings, when you know what the magician knows, it's no longer magic. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's very true. It's very true. So when you, when you think about integrative medicine, and it's interesting because I've interviewed some other colleagues and they say, you know, I hate the term holistic because it, it kind of pigeonholes us into people thinking that we're woo-woo. And some people say, I never use the term alternative because alternative means that it's different or weird or wrong. And some people say, I don't like the term integrative because it, it means that we're on a spectrum of something that could be off balance. And so when you think about, I'm going to call it common sense medicine. When Gosh. you think, yeah, when, when, when we think about starting with the least toxic options and then applying everything we possibly can to facilitate a healing response. As common sense medicine, do you think that medicine is capable of a paradigm shift to encompass this idea that we could, be, as practitioners, as one health initiative supportives, as people believing that there's no one way to heal or recover, do you think that as healers or practitioners, we can get our colleagues to embrace this concept of holism or common sense medicine? I would so love that. And I think that there is hope. I think one of the fundamental things that we need to consider as a profession is that we've worked so hard with science as our paradigm for so long. And while science has so many fabulous aspects to it, it is changing and it's not black and white. And 
to many vets, this is the holy grail of how we practice. But common sense medicine says that it's the main part of what we adhere to, but it's not the only thing. And when we shift our thinking to changing that we're not just scientists, we're actually healers. Science is our tool, but there's a wealth of things out there, much of which is actually scientific that hasn't been accepted by our mainstream scientific community in veterinary medicine, but some that is not scientific. And again, if we weigh up those cost-benefit ratios of what have we got to lose by integrating this harmless approach to helping this animal that is in dire straits, there is nothing to lose. Let's give it a go and we can maintain our credibility and we can maintain our professionalism and we can do things responsibly as a, a collegial group of vets doing our best to make a difference in this world. That's where we'll make a headway. Beautifully said. You know, I, I'm asking, I'm asking all of the doctors that I'm interviewing if they could give one piece of information or thought or departing words to both pet parents and veterinarians, what would it be? But that was so eloquently spoken, it gave me goosebumps. I think oh. that, that I think that that's a I think that those are beautiful departing words. That that in conclusion, you know, if it's not harmful, even if we didn't learn about it in veterinary school, it could provide an option to give an animal a second chance. And why would we, why would we not? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we are as vets is we're constantly being put in these difficult situations where it's not black and white. Even in conventional practice, you've got to consider so many aspects of care. And of course, the integrative model gives you other things to consider, but this is not necessarily an obstacle. This is an opportunity for us to do more for our patients, more for our people, and more for our planet, where there's so much pressure for us to consider our environment and reduce our carbon footprint. An integrative approach is just optimal to facilitate sustainable health care that meets the needs of humans, animals, and the environment. So beautiful. And all of that coming right out of New Zealand. What a blessing you are to everyone that is, has the opportunity to come and sit under your services to speak with you, to have you as a healer in their world. Um, you're a blessing to our community and you're a light to veterinary medicine. So thank you for sharing your wisdom and your expertise with our listeners and viewers today. Thank you for having me and thank you for everything that you do. And thank you to everybody who is listening. We can all make a difference together.